Welcome to the Gov Innovator Podcast. I'm Andy Feldman. Our focus today is on how high dosage tutoring can accelerate student learning, including for those who have fallen behind academically. My guests are Carly Robinson and Matthew Kraft from Brown University. Here's a clip. So I've been in the business of education research for over a decade. And the bottom line is I'd be hard pressed to find another intervention that has as wide and as rigorous a body of evidence of its efficacy for improving student performance in both math and reading than we have for tutoring. A new policy brief examines the research evidence behind tutoring and what design principles for tutoring have shown to be important for boosting student achievement. The report is titled Accelerating Student Learning with High Dosage Tutoring, and it's co-authored by Carly Robinson, Matthew Kraft, and Susanna Loeb from the Annenberg Institute at Brown University, as well as Beth Schuler from the University of Virginia. It's part of a series of briefs called Ed Research for Recovery, produced by Brown, UVA, and Results for America. I'm glad to have two of the report authors with us today. Dr. Carly Robinson is a postdoctoral research associate at Brown, and Dr. Matt Kraft is a professor of education and economics at Brown. Both are former public school teachers. Carly and Matt, thanks for being on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having us, Andy. It's a pleasure to be with you. I have a basic question to start, which is what forms of tutoring are we talking about? In other words, what might the tutoring that this research focused on looked like in practice? Sure. Yeah. So tutoring is having a bit of a moment right now, and people are really excited about its potential, which is great, but tutoring can also mean different things to different people. So I think we can probably start with what we are not talking about. Uh, Tutoring is not homework help, nor is it just mentoring, although I do think tutors can certainly end up being mentors for students. Um, The tutoring we are talking about involves students receiving one-on-one or small group tutoring in a specific subject, most often math or literacy, and the tutoring sessions occur at least a couple times per week, if not more, with a consistent tutor who has received adequate training. And because of this focus and structure, this type of tutoring is probably best suited to be delivered in a school setting or through a school, but That's really largely because schools tend to be the easiest access points for reaching students. So this is the type of tutoring that seems to accelerate student learning outcomes. That's really useful. Matt? Carly really got it just right. We really need to make sure that when we talk about tutoring, we are envisioning something very different from the type of after-school program with a rotating cast of volunteers who are helping kids with homework sometimes or generally just making sure the kids are doing all right and providing basically after-school care. We are really talking about supporting kids with a program that is coordinated so that it's a collective effort between teachers and tutors to help kids to access the grade level content that they are learning in their core academic classes. And ideally to do so in a way where they have a sustained relationship with a tutor so that not only are they benefiting with additional individualized instruction, but they have another caring adult in their life that they have developed a relationship with or another older peer who understands the experience of uh, growing up in their community and and going to the school that they're at. 
that can help advocate for them, can be uh, someone to talk to and, and someone to serve as a role model and an example. Got it. So that's really helpful background. You and your co-authors reviewed the existing evidence base behind tutoring for K-12 students in the form that you just described, including drawing on a few meta-studies of the approach. What was your sense from that review of the robustness of the research? In other words, how, how much credible evidence do we have and what were the main findings? So I've been in the business of education research for over a decade. And the bottom line is I'd be hard pressed to find another intervention that has as wide and as rigorous a body of evidence of its efficacy for improving student performance in both math and reading than we have for tutoring. We see across multiple independent meta-analyses of the causal research literature, consistent findings that tutoring on average can raise a student who's at the 35th percentile of achievement up to the 50th percentile. And so I think there's really strong reason to think that this is a evidence-based approach to supporting student learning and accelerating student gains in math and reading and ELA. That said, this literature is largely based on efficacy trials, those types of studies where they're somewhat smaller, they are designed with kind of all the best advantages that a program might be able to offer in a small setting and, and willing kind of volunteers to participate in that. And so there's certainly open questions about what this will look like and, and what's possible at scale with a handful of, of studies that are larger showing that tutoring can be effective, um, but there are important trade-offs to make on who is the tutor and the cost that that entails and, and how many students work with an individual tutor at the same time. That makes sense. Your brief also includes some suggestive evidence around design principles that seem to be important for the efficacy of tutoring programs. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So as Matt said before, most of the research on tutoring has been these efficacy trials. So while we can say that certain programs are effective in these conditions, we can't necessarily say which principles directly lead to student learning. We need a bit more, more research for that. But I will highlight three characteristics that the most effect effective programs to date tend to share and that we think are probably drivers of success. And those are dosage, training, and relationships. So first, if you're trying to implement a tutoring program that meaningfully impacts student learning, it really should be high dosage. And that means, as I mentioned at the beginning, students are not sporadically receiving tutoring. They are being tutored three or more times per week for a semester or the full year. Right now, I don't think we can say there's a magic number for how often tutoring sessions should occur, but it seems the higher the frequency, the better. Second, you really need to think about the training tutors are receiving. Unsurprisingly, teachers can make pretty good tutors because they have the skills to deliver the content, but the evidence shows that there are a wide variety of tutors that can be effective if they are properly prepared, um, which could be a few weeks of intensive training that covers both the content and how to effectively deliver that content to students. And the last thing I'll bring up now that Matt teased earlier uh, has to do with the tutor-student relationship. 
you know, really providing students an opportunity to connect on a deeper level with the same tutor multiple times a week might not only accelerate their learning, but it also could provide a key social connection. Um, among many other things, the shift to virtual and hybrid schooling has really highlighted how critical relationships are to student motivation and well-being. And I personally think one of the biggest benefits of tutoring is that students have a chance to meaningfully connect with a caring adult. I think those design principles are so useful and an important focus for future research for sure. One last question for you, which is about the caveats and considerations that you include at the end of the brief. In the time that we have left, can you give us an example? So the biggest caveat that I'll share is that doing anything well at scale has proven to be very difficult in our decentralized, complex education system in the U.S. And so I think the biggest caveat is that we need to expect that there's going to be some bumps in the road and that this is going to be a process and it's not going to be a silver bullet and it's going to require a laser-like focus on continuous improvement. So we need to be clear-eyed about that, that I think that the, the enthusiasm that we talked about for tutoring that's really generating a lot of momentum right now needs to come with some understanding and respect for the challenges of previous attempts to scale tutoring and other education reforms that were based in evidence. Thank you, Matt, for that caveat. I'll note for our listeners that the brief we discussed today is one of a set of research briefs developed as part of the Ed Research for Recovery initiative, all of them aimed at providing K-12 decision makers and advocates with credible evidence to help students respond to and recover from the pandemic. So I'll include a link on the podcast website to all of those briefs. I'll also note that Matt and Carly are involved in a new initiative called the National Student Support Accelerator that's aiming to scale up some of the high impact interventions like we discussed today. So I'll include a link to that as well. Carly Robinson and Matt Kraft, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Thanks for having us, Andy.